0: Aggressive.
1: That was very aggressive.
0: What's up? And there it is. Welcome to Mostly (laughs) Film. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan McCorder, joined by my illustrious co host, JP Payton. Hey. 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 That is right. And it is for horses. You're welcome. So today's (laughs) a big day. Today we are knocking out, we're talking about Terry Gilliam, all things Terry Gilliam. We're up to our second round of films of his. The last week we did The Magician of Dr. Parnassus in Tideland. And this week we're on to Brazil and the Zero Theorem. Yeah. If Brazil you... arguably is his crowning achievement, or one of his really one of two, but uh arguably is is, you know, crowning, crowning film. Um, and it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Brazil alone. And then Zero Theorem is kind of a spiritual successor and part of the unofficial trilogy, including Twelve Monkeys, which we'll do on a later date. Um so, I'm, I'm excited to break those down today um, with JP. And then we're going to talk about our topic or two, which we're going to talk about what, from a male perspective, what are our favorite chick flicks and what movies are not technically classified as chick flicks, but should be. Okay. So that's what we got today. Um, I didn't even drink the Diet Coke and I still got the burp. It's been a while. It's been a whole, I like, know, it's, been, it's been a whole like three days. Well, I'm freaking hot, bro. I'm hot <laughs> yeah. right now. And uh, I think it's because Luna's cuddled up to me right now mm. and she's, like she's a, a little radiator yeah. of heat. My friend, if y'all don't, if y'all, if y'all have a problem getting cu- warm at night and you don't have a lover, uh, get yourself a Yorkie, small, but efficient little space heaters. Yeah. Uh, like man, like my, my, my sacks are hanging low right now. my God. So, well, one sack, two Jump balls. Jump into this podcast. Very <laughs> descriptive. So JP. Yeah. You watched the Manager of Dr. Parnassus. I did. And you watched Tideland. Yeah. We've ranked those. We've talked about those. Yeah. We're on to Brazil and Zero Theorem. Yeah. So, before we talk about them, yep, where well, What's your ranking? Pre, so, pre pre discussion. What's your ranking of the four Terry Gilliam? Page? Going
1: into going into these two movies that we're about to talk about. Yes, I was kind of low on this. I was surprised by Tideland. Overall, I was disappointed with Doctor Parnassus, which we have noted was Stupid. some just like Lame. just editing, like Lame. just some effects type issues Hater. for me. Hater. I saw the potential there though. Yeah. Of you know, the creative mind of, of Terry Gilliam. The Imagine of Dr.
0: Parnassus is one
1: of the greatest films ever made. And it's mm-hmm. a cinematic achievement. <laughs> you have, you can have that opinion. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, you can listen to last week's pod or the <laughs> week before last, uh, to, to hear my take, but I'll be honest, man, I'm all on board after these movies. Like this with Terry is, Gilliam.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, as far as... No. I was glad you wanted to jump into him first because when we were talking about doing a director series, we have some yeah. powerhouse directors we want to hit. Yeah. And I was like, man, I hope he wants to start with Terry Gilliam. And then when he floated, you like, yeah, sure, I'll do. That's kind of off the wall. <laughs> and But it's because, I mean, there's only a couple of his movies I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm a big Terry Gilliam fan. Like, yeah, I it's see not, why. People associate him with Monty Python. Which Monty Python, the Holy Grail, is like one of my all time favorite comedies. Yeah. And he got the meaning of life and he gets associated with the life of Brian, but he didn't actually direct that one. He just wrote it. Uh-huh. Um, so we're not going to be reviewing that one, just his directorial features. But like in Brazil, that's the one, that, and notably so, that's the one that like skyrocketed him to fame, that and Monty Python. But like he's such an innovator. Like yeah. a lot of the things, like we talk about George Lucas, the way to Star Wars, a lot of the things we see in cinema today, and I'll, I'll highlight there's some really fun facts about Brazil that carried over into mainstream culture that I yeah. didn't realize until after I rewatched Brazil because I'd seen it once prior to this viewing, but it's been a long time. Um, yeah. I, Terry Gilliam was just a master and it's a shame that we're about done. I think he's got one more movie in the works. He's trying to get funded. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. He's in his late eighties. Wow. Um, we're, we're nearing the end of Terry Gilliam's, you know, gifts to cinema. Um, I think we're probably one more film and that's it. And that's it. So ranking the four before context, what's your order?
1: Oh, right now. Um, yeah,
0: g- give it to me. I- I'll tell you my mind the imaginary Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. This is going to be controversial. The Zero Theorem, Brazil, and Tideland. Wow. Now, that's I only four I films. I can't wait to talk about this. Now, the zero, the I gave them both the same rating. Yeah. They're both a four and a half stars for me. I never saw your Zero Theorem rating. Do you three and a half Did it? I?
1: No, I don't think I did. I, don't, I think I was at least didn't. a four.
0: So you settled on a four. You actually liked it. Because a lot yeah. of people, like Tideland, a lot of people kind of shit on the Zero Theorem. I love the Zero Theorem. I yeah. think it's arguably, and I think now, granted, and this is hard to rate because we talked about this in Tuesday's episode. Sometimes the sheen does polish off, and I, the Zero Theorem is so shiny, yeah. But <laughs> and maybe that helps it a little bit because it is a kind of a spiritual successor. But we'll get into it. But yeah, I think I think the Zero Theorem. What'd you give it? I gave it three and a half. I thought it was a three and a half. Yeah. So um, I I so in my
1: list, I'll go ahead and give it to you then, so that before we get to too off in it. Um, Coming in at number one is Brazil. Okay, like this is Brazil, and we'll talk about it in a minute. And you've like never that, seen it. I'd never seen this okay. before.
0: Like this is a top tier movie for me. Like it's like goes into like your Hall of Fame bucket. It,
1: I mean, I don't know if it's top ten, but like this is one that I will look back on. Did you
0: give it five or four and a half? Four and a half. I gave it four and a half. Yeah.
1: As well. uh, second for me so far is Tideland. Really? Yeah. Over zero theory? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll stay here. Yeah, I gave Tideland four four stars.
0: I mean, I I have Thailand at four stars too, but wow, okay.
1: And then Doctor Parnassus at three and a half, and then Zero Theorem. Zero Theorem's your least favorite. Yeah, just because. Are these
0: like margin calls too? Outside of Brazil, are the other three just kind of razor thin? Like all could be interchangeable. I would say Doctor
1: Parnassus and and Zero Theorem are very close. The only reason Zero Theorem is where it's at is because of my feelings for Brazil, which I don't want to get into right away. We'll we'll, we'll touch that then.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right. So let's, let's get into the discourse. Let's get into the yeah. Let's get into it. Let's start <laughs> with Brazil. So you open me up because I think now, granted, I uh, really love Brazil, but it's been a while for me. Um, yeah, watching it, I have seen it once before, so I, I don't have the fresh eyes. Yeah. of it. So I, I want to hear your perspective of this.
1: Well, let's just don't just just jump into a synopsis of it. Uh, Litterbox has this really brief, uh, which
0: sometimes they're pretty good. Sometimes they're like a kindergarten. Robot. Yeah, and
1: we can expound upon whatever. Yeah.
0: Um. So a low-level
1: bureaucrat, Sam Lowry, escapes the monotony of his day-to-day life uh, through a recurring dream, daydream of himself as a virtuous hero saving a beautiful damsel, investigating a case that led to the wrongful arrest and eventful death of an innocent man instead of one of terrorists, Harry uh, Tuttle.
0: They got buttle. He got
1: buttle. He meets a woman from his daydream, and in trying to help her, gets caught in a web of mistaken identities, mindless bureaucracy, and lies. Which is pretty close to what happens, yeah. Uh, So, starting off, like, this is obviously like a futuristic utopia type place. Does it
0: start off with, okay, first of the casting, so Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Price, um, is your main? He's yes, your, he's playing your main Sam coach. Lowry. So, so when the movie starts, it, it doesn't it start with a fantasy flying sequence? Yes, where he's like it, this, starts off, yeah, like it starts off. it
1: starts off with this whimsical Michael Keaton Birdman dude. Out here. I, I, I'm more like more like uh, David Bowie esque. Like, yeah, it, it just had those vibes.
0: Um, he's like this man in a suit of like a uh, tight armor with angel wings. Yeah, soaring and he's, across he's the, sky. the
1: sky, like that alone. That's what I like. That's what I would expect from Doctor Parnassus. Mm-hmm. Like that type of imagination.
0: That's the thing about Terry Gilliam. No. No, 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 Hear me out here. Brazil is one of his earlier hits or films. And it's also one of his greatest hits. That's like non Monty Python kind of stuff. You can see the imprints of Brazil on everything he does going forward. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Maybe not Tideland. A little bit Tideland. Tideland, and I think when we get to the Fisher King, which is next week.
1: I think the themes are are there for Very for much Tideland. so, and
0: all of his weirder films, like you can see it on the Zero Theorem, you can see it on Parnassus, uh, you can see the it aesthetic. in in Las Vegas, and some of those we we'll get into. You can yeah. definitely see Brazil's stamp yeah. on all of these. Yeah. And understandably so, Like, c- you know, this this movie is the 54th greatest British film of all time. Okay. Fun fact. Wow. That's that I like, however many British films there are. Probably yeah. a lot. 54th What's grade. What's the 12, uh, s- uh, psh, sound in uh, sound and time? Yes. Or time and sound. I think it's time and sound. <laughs> TNS. I don't know. Never, never mind. Let's forget that. Is it on there though? I don't know. I don't know. think it is. No. Should be. Brazil's great. Sight and sound. Sight and sound. Oh, what did I say? Was. Holy crap. Sound? Yeah. It's like, yeah, That's it. It. It I, was, I was even going with acting TNS, baby. Uh, I own that.
1: Yeah, that list fluctuates so much. I would wonder where Brazil sits on There that. some
0: st- the fact that A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back neither one of them aren't on the site just one of them maybe not Empire both. how they're not on there for the cultural impact alone sure bugs the piss out of me
1: that's a different podcast oh my conversation. Gosh, bugs the
0: piss out of me that would be a fun to to week by week breakdown. down as a topic or two the sight and sound yeah that'd be fun but then again I really don't want to watch all the movies that are on the sight and sound list because some of them ain't for me anyway sorry back to Brazil so it opens you got Jonathan Price who Was fantastic here in role. You know, a fun fact, a lot of people associate Jonathan Price to a Game of Thrones, which blew my mind. Oh, yeah. He's the head of the seven. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I like you, I had to pause like, what? Yeah. Not what I associate Jonathan Price with. Um, I actually do associate him with this and the man who killed Don Quixote. So my two Terry Gilliam joints. But um, yeah, so Brazil. I just wanted to talk about Jonathan Price for a minute because that, yeah. that's how it opens. I was yeah, to it starts him. out
1: with uh, Sam Lowry daydreaming about, you know, this. Which is Jonathan Price. Which is Jonathan oh, Price. Did we say that? Yes, I'm we a, just okay, did. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we got into the whole Jonathan <laughs> Price tangent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it starts with that daydream. And Jonathan Price's? Jonathan Price's, <laughs> who's also Sam
0: Lowry. Wait, who's uh, Sam Lowry? Jonathan Price. Uh, Fun, fun fact, real quick about Sam Lowry. Do you know Tom Cruise was considered for this role? For this Jonathan Price role, mm -hmm. Tom Cruise. He was the. It was between him and Jonathan Price. How old would he have been in 1987? Uh, 85.
1: Uh, Not the two years makes a huge difference. Cruise was
0: born in 62, so
1: he'd been in his about the right age, 20s. (laughs) See, I feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like Jonathan Price.
0: Which is and, funny, and also, going back to Parnassus though, yeah. like it makes, I didn't know this until yeah. I was doing research on the film. Um, that makes more sense now why Terry, Tom Cruise would have thought about stepping into Parnassus because I thought that was really weird when we talked about it then after Peter yeah. death. But knowing that he has this that relationship, that relationship with, with Terry Gilliam, now it makes sense, which is a bummer. So if he does make one more film, I do hope Tom Cruise gets in it. Yeah. Because that would be, that would be fun.
1: Tom, I, You know, Tom Cruise got in him. I think overall, Jonathan Price was the was the right so role
0: for this. Because he's a little older, too. I well, think it
1: and, works. And, you know, Terry Gilliam is a British uh, director.
0: And I don't think, I don't mean this is an insult to Jonathan Price. I don't think Tom Cruise in his 20s, Pretty Boy, yeah. would have fit no. this narrative overall. Because it kind of gives you, it's a dystopian rip on bureaucratic capitalism and society. Yes. And I'm not sure Pretty Boy Tom Cruise would have fit that monotonous desk cruncher guy. You know what yeah. I mean? But, yes. Anyway,
1: sorry. No, I mean getting back to to like the, the actual story. Like, he has this daydream, and he snapped back to reality whenever. Step back to reality. I mean, you know, Oops, just it's teed Sam Lowry that up for you. Didn't <laughs> I? I? We don't need like we we talk about like having some place to like produce all this stuff, and you can have like different buttons for drops and all that stuff. We don't need yeah. that.
0: You're your yeah, own I drop. I am that. I am the drop. Oh, That's man. right.
1: But uh, yeah, he's basically just a pencil pusher with no motivation to moving up in life. You find out basically that his father is is part of this or was his father i guess
0: unsure deceased
1: he, well his his mother his is, mother is
0: like a high up like influential person and in like those yeah other-
1: but they always they always call back to like the influence that his father had with all these different people and you end up finding the guy that's in charge of this company it's in the wheelchair yeah, yeah yeah that that you know and like had a this company is like
0: the it place too like in terms of where you are like yeah so explain
1: to me exactly what they do here because i, I have no clue not i think, that's, I part think that's, of that's part of, the, part of that's it, yes. part of
0: it it's purposely vague because it's like terry gilliam's known to be a you know anti-establishment kind <laughs> yeah. of guy and this is a very much a satire of establishment yes and basically to me like i think we're getting at here i think he is mocking the business suits of the world like sure. you know what are they actually doing nothing yeah it's a bunch of only you whenever know, posturing you're watching and pretentious yes yeah. and only that's watching yeah so I, I i you know people strive to get their degrees people strive to go work in the big world of corporations yeah. and that's all this is but it's really damaging the planet damaging these people's psyche and like that's i think ultimately is kind of the the, the point of the film like yeah. you sacrifice your soul to get nowhere in a, in a lot of ways and sure. and, a, and a rip on capitalistic yeah. monoton you know yeah so, monetization stuff
1: so the story though um in the in the daydream there's a woman yeah. that he's basically flying to trying mm-hmm. to save um whatever the job is that this that the Sam Lowry character has um and no clue no clue no clue they basically identify these people that don't follow these rules or codes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Basically, and free thinkers,
0: as yeah, the way I understand yeah. so it. So,
1: basically, if I was to go to my car right now and fix a part, I would have to have clearance because of because the government and consumerism is so tied together. There yep. is, you know.
0: Well, but just just use the example from the film. If your heat and air unit went out, you yes. have to call that heat and air unit to fix it. What's the name? I don't remember what it's called. I don't
1: remember either. But
0: uh so Super Mario from Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> yeah. Bob Hoskins has to come out and fix it. Yeah. But instead, you get Robert De Niro's character, uh, who hmm. was supposed to die, but yeah. because of the bug misprint that got into watch I'm skipping ahead because we didn't get the full synopsis. But, no, no, I mean it's okay. we did a little bit in the beginning. This anyway, is... the reason Robert De Niro is wanted in the first place is because he he used to be a heating and air fixer. Yep. And he went rogue and started fixing them on his own. So they labeled him as a terrorist. <laughs> he
1: he hate and why was that? Because he hated paperwork.
0: He hated paperwork. So he would just do it on his own and not like ruin their house for him. So yeah. uh he comes and fixes Jonathan Price's house, uh <laughs> heating and air. And then that jumps into this full terroristic, you know, journey that Jonathan Price, Sam Lowry's now has to go on. Yeah. Um it's and Robert De Niro, he's in it for maybe five minutes total screen oh, time. But but what it's an so, impact. It's so effective. It is. That's
1: that's the 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 thing about this movie that, you know, calling back to like Tom Cruise casting, I think there's something about the English accent yeah. that kind of helps uh, carry like a mis- like a um, kind of whimsical feel to it. I think if and it kinda feels off putting whenever De Niro's on screen talking in a yeah, American accent. Yeah, it's odd. And I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the the moments where we do get De Niro, it's it's kind of The De Niro. The De Niro. Um I liked it. Um there's not a whole lot to say again because there's not a whole lot of it. Of De Niro? Yeah. Yeah, I know.
0: But The best part about De Niro is when he fills the suits of Bob Hoskins and the other guy full of sewage and then they explode. I'll be honest, I looked away for five seconds. And and that happened?
1: Yeah, it happened. I'm like, what in the world? They turned their, they
0: moved the oxygen fused with the sewage fused or pipeline and it got into their suits and they like basically (laughs) exploded of poop. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is a very Terry Gilliam film but like, visually what an acid trip bro i loved it i loved it like it, it and it's all like practical effects too because yes. you didn't have the cgi stuff in 88 87 when yeah. this some came out you know so like everything's practical it gave me very like um willow and uh
1: more recent movie willow
0: no the old oh willow. the old yeah 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 it gave me old willow vibes and the lost dark crystal very heavy <laughs> yeah. dark crystal vibes for me i'm not sure which came first but one inspired yeah. the other in terms of tone. Um, and also gave me some pretty, and there's some fun facts about this too, but it definitely gave me some Star Wars vibes a little bit. Really? And the score specifically, there was a few times I thought we were doing John Williams music. Yeah. I really thought we were doing John Williams music. Brazil, like I was kind of worried about talking about this film because I could talk about Parnassus and Tideland so much more. Brazil is hard to talk about because it's a hard film to follow in a lot of ways because it's so fantastical yeah and, and, and literally and figuratively well like, it,
1: the the mind trip that it kind of takes you on because it there is an inception like mm-hmm. aspect to this movie that I didn't I didn't see coming that when I look back wish we
0: said it on Tuesday's episode and it goes without saying the in review are full spoilers yeah so yeah. You, you know yes yeah. so what what inception Listener beware yeah um
1: yeah so yeah, after so basically, whenever Sam is kind of looped into this whole terroristic, you know, uh, cause
0: right. of bringing all this all this down, and he he's the one who realizes they made a mistake with the yeah, it's uh,
1: something something as simple as a misprint on a name led to the
0: torture and death of an innocent guy when it's yeah, supposed which, to be Yeah, subtle. You,
1: you're not really. You're not really aware of how serious. Like you just think they're just killed because they did something wrong. No, they're tortured. Yeah, because they're trying to find out who these people are that De Niro's people. Yeah, yeah. De Niro. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once Sam is kind of looped into this whole scheme, um, you find out that they basically capture these people and, and brainwash them mm-hmm. to find out all this information. It's yep. not until he's brainwashed it's that himself, you, yeah. you realize you know kind of the places our mind take us to find peace and solitude in yep. a world that very much dictates everything every choice we make mm-hmm. um and i I loved it um
0: it someone said something about it uh it was a big critic from back in the 80s yeah said something it's one of the most beautiful depictions of someone outwardly going insane but finding inner peace so yeah. w- w- which is more important you know yeah exactly like, and that, that's this, the, like Terry Gilliam does and so, so well, he just poises so many like relevant morality laden questions. Yeah. And this
1: film's chalked full of them. They're now granted, they're pretty heavy-handed.
0: Oh, yeah. They're not, but everything okay. Terry Gilliam does is heavy handed. Yeah. So but that, that's what makes his appeal to me. So so a pretty I, th-
1: I think that that type of stuff though, like a lot of it's done in the effects and how they mm-hmm. how you know people are portrayed. That worked because of how practical the effects were in this. Yes. I think if it, I miss practical. I think effects, something man. in in. Well, I think we're getting back to it in a lot of I ways. Quantum
0: Mania was all practical effects. <laughs> Could you
1: imagine? It was just It'd be all great. stage props. It'd be
0: great. It'd be like, yeah. like
1: Pernassus before they actually go into
0: the yes. Imaginarium.
1: Anyways, um, yeah, I. There was a a drawn out point in this movie that I really had some worries as far as. Um, how I was going to feel about this movie but again once once uh, we were kind of into the heist aspect mm. to it it kind of became it, it. honestly the whole tone of the movie changed to it more does. like a
0: thriller and Terry uh, Terry Boone's so good, good yeah. at that like he just flips the thing uh, flip, flips the script on a whim by the way before I forget his boss at the his first part of the job do you realize who that was Ian Holmes that's Bilbo Baggins
1: yeah no really mm-hmm
0: his they main, not like that. his main boss, who yeah, like the, the the one that's like his yeah, first job from all the yeah, because
1: Sam Larry is obviously someone that has promise and and talent. Yeah, he doesn't want to He leave. doesn't want to improve. He's like, and, why
0: haven't you moved up? He goes, well, I've thought about it, and he's like, no, you haven't. It's like I'll just keep you here. No, I'll just keep you here. Yeah, that's Bill Baggins, young Bilbo Baggins <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. All right, uh,
1: but yeah, I I loved uh, I love just the practical effects of all of this. It was something that um, uh, really sold it for me. Mm-hmm um so yeah what were some things that really worked for you in this movie then
0: so obviously what draws me to terry Gilliam originally in all of his films yeah um except I maybe in thailand excluded and now thailand worked but it didn't want the immediate draw for me is the visual effects of it all and brazil is a very visually arresting film yeah it's uh it's it almost it's like grotesque all of his films are like grotesquely beautiful like they're not like something you just want to look at, but they're so unique and gross almost in a lot of yeah. ways you just have to look at. When I say gross, I don't mean just like from a, like a vomit feces kind of thing. I'm talking like just like, for instance, his mom who continues to get younger and younger through these controversial, yeah. you know, plastic surgeries that are, you know, that are killing her, yeah. uh, even though they're giving her youth and making her younger, which...
1: But somehow government like approves like yeah, everything's, everything's uh, kosher which there. Which
0: question... Going back to Tideland and our disagreement, which I still don't agree with about the incest part. Um, <laughs> I, I'm telling you I'm right. You're wrong. I sent you. I, I sent you proof. I, no, I can find contradicting oh proof. Oh my God. Until we get Terry Gilliam on the pod, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna believe you. <laughs> anyway, listen, did he have sex with his mom? Sam? Yeah. No. I think so. When? So he goes to his mom's house trying no. to find the girl of his dreams, right? and then no the scene where right they bust in and and capture him yeah but then he goes to the funeral immediately after and it's his mom she's fully young it's the same woman
1: it's not the same woman I think it
0: is and that's why he was like he got real weird about it I don't know man pretty sure he accidentally boned his mom Because he was at his mom's house, he was looking for the girl of his dreams. Yeah, but she makes she makes note about a wig, though. I don't know, man. Something I don't think so. Something weird. They happened capture there. they capture
1: them both. They kill her, and he's at that point he's stuck, like he's
0: captured. I'm telling you, <sighs> something weird happened there. I didn't pick up on that. I thought that was. I thought we were just seeing a more. I think Sam Lowry boned his mom. Boned his mom. Oh. Because she got that final facial reconstruction, and she was like a young, beautiful woman again. Yeah. And then you see that same young, beautiful woman at the funeral, and it was his mom. (sighs) Same lady. Not the blonde lady. This lady had red hair. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was his young mom he accidentally diddled. Well, I hate that. Which I hate it doubly for him, because he (laughs) didn't realize it was his mom, but the mom would have realized it was him, so. Yeah creepy well and it, and it was the funeral for her friend who didn't get the controversial surgeries she kept getting like the botched surgeries that's who the funeral was for yeah so um but no anyway visually it was beautiful uh in terms of like actually like thematic way of the film the script was actually really good and coherent despite how batshit crazy this film is like it tells a cohesive story yeah it just makes it it's very hard to talk about because it's all over the place yeah um, and the movie is also genre spanning, which you kind of touched on a second ago. Yeah, you have this cheeky comedy on one hand, you have this dark satirical dystopian morality tale on one hand. But also you get a
1: super fantasy. Yes, like you get. A, I was gonna
0: say you get a fantastical fantasy laden yeah. heist on one hand, and you get also these like other dimensional drug induced heroic flying cinema cinematic scenes, it's almost he like goes a labyrinth. And- Yes, very elaborate the that's, baby that's the bowie thing you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. And he like he has this one thing like where he's in this like fictitious character where he's flying and like as a yeah. savior where he has to actually like fight this beast down there. Ton of fun. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. Everything about Brazil works for me, but because of what it's the reason it's not a five star film for me is because I do have a hard time digesting it all. And that's mm-hmm. on that's a me issue. Sure. Um, but I also think it's a little bit of a Terry Gilliam issue. I think his I think his ambition in some ways in Brazil got the better of him.
1: Yeah, I I see that.
0: And somehow, while it is coherent, I think he gets lost in his own mind, like he does in some of his other films. You know, like Parnassus is a yeah. good example. Um, Tideland, so far, is his most coherent story. Um, out of all really? the ones we've watched, okay. to me, I don't know out of the ones we've watched so far. Okay, I was Tideland to say, is, is is not knowing whether the incest like the you know, no. <laughs> if it's not clear basically I guess for every film is it incest because you got the Christopher Plummer and his daughter thing yeah. you know the devil I don't know maybe uh, the zero theorem is the only one so far doesn't have incest I think no yeah It's got some weird sex stuff in it but not, yeah, no incest to anyway um, wow I'm gonna have a whole new take on Terry Gilliam after this is over yeah the incest files uh, but no something about the film just keeps it from that half star bump and I think it's just the The guys of lack of cohesion made are just too stupid to understand
1: see i i understand i understand what you're saying and i i I get the idea that there's so much happening in this it's hard to really understand what he's trying to say mm-hmm. um, and
0: like looking back on it especially since it's been a week or more a week and a half since I've seen it mm-hmm. it's hard to recollect because of the way the story is told like the yeah. zero theorem I have a much better i watched it this next day. Yeah, The so one day difference, I can way better retain the zero theorem because it's more of a, it's still a, you know, a mind boner, a more concise, but it's a, m- well, it's a better polished, tightly wrapped. Yeah. So f- story. I, it's a self-contained I, mind bone. I prefer
1: the onion to this movie. Yeah. The, the layers that, you know, cause I think there are different points because this is a type of movie that you do a rewatch for. Oh yeah. Because of
0: how. I could annually rewatch this, yeah. where I couldn't annually rewatch Tideland. or oh, absolutely not. Maybe I, not even the Zero I, I Theorem, and I have the Zero Theorem ranked one higher than this. But yeah, it's because I understand the Zero Theorem. Nah. I understand Tideland. I don't understand Brazil, and the re- I, I do, I do. Yeah. But the, the what what drives the intrigue for Brazil for me is that no, this is my second time watching it. I still don't fully grasp everything I watched, and I feel like I so each rewatch I find something new that that I didn't catch the first time.
1: So are we moving on to zero theorem?
0: We Yeah, we can.
1: Cause I feel like it's time. I feel like we've mentioned it enough. Yeah. Like I feel like Brazil,
0: Brazil is a must watch, not Brazil. just for Terry Gilliam. Absolutely. Brazil is just a much watch film. I, I think I, we'll t- I,
1: we can tie this up, uh, but well,
0: let, let me add a couple of okay. the legacy points, yeah. fun facts about Brazil before we move on. Yes. Um, So there's very few films that have had drawn such inspiration from this film, apparently, according to a lot of like directors and stuff like that. Um, so the production design, the production design and lighting style of Tim Burton's Batman, he attributed directly to Brazil. Wow. Um, I I see that. So that that was a neat one. Star Wars: The Last Jedi was also heavily inspired by Brazil, um, both its production design and its themes. The uh, planet of Canto Blight is aesthetically similar to Brazil, purposely. Wow. Uh, by Ryan Johnson. That's crazy. <laughs> both films share several themes, showing the ambival- ambivalence of wealth in the face of the world falling apart and society unaware of the conflicts surrounding them, which that, okay, that was brilliant. Forgot about that. When him, when Sam Lowry and his wife or you know, girl, whatever, Love abscond it, yeah. off and they leave the corporate world, they yeah. go into like a beautiful country landscape. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's reminds me of the old Mickey Donald goofy short where they have their like a uh, trailer, all, you know, yeah. scenic and everything. And then when they t- tear it down, they're in front of like this, wasteland yeah and they traveled and they thing. it was like kind of like that so that, that was great anyway um so the last jedi was heavily influenced by that uh and then one of the coolest thing was there's a direct reference in the last jedi uh ryan johnson put in uh, and it can be heard when finn and rose are arrested for a pike parking violation 27b6 uh which is a nod to form 27b6 yeah, that they mentioned forty-five times in Brazil for the air conditioning code. So that was really neat. Uh, another reference from there is uh, the Canto Bite theme. The city in Brazil yeah. uh, was com- as the Canto Bite. Right? No, in Last Jedi was composed by John Williams. Briefly samples the Aquarela do Brazil. Uh, so John Williams samples the main theme of Brazil in Star Wars, making it uh, one of only two times. Of any Star Wars soundtrack in the universe, a song was incorporated outside of the John Williams original. Music. Wow. So that's probably why it sounded familiar to me. Yeah. I didn't realize that till today. Um, the last one that's fun. Uh, to pr- the production design of the time variance authority depicted in Disney Plus's Loki was directly inspired by the fun sci-fi bureaucracy and dystopian design elements of Brazil's ministry of information. I love it. Um, sh- 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 Zack Snyder took a lot of thing from sucker punch from Brazil. I have not seen Sucker Punch. And, uh, no shit. I didn't see this the first time. There's a game came out in 2018 on Xbox um, called We Happy Few. And I was playing it the whole time. I was like, why does this feel so familiar to me? The director of the game is a huge Brazil fan and directly influenced it. That makes sense. Wow. The low-key thing though, especially once you really got to look at the world that they're in, like the... Brilliant.
1: With the time variance and like that whole aspect. Like
0: yeah. Like the legacy, and that's just the ones I chose. There's a bunch of other stuff in here. Yeah. Like I didn't realize the lasting legacy it had. Now watching it a second time, I was watching it through here this time before I looked up any of this. I was like, man, I feel like I've seen this stuff a thousand times since. And I I have, you know, in just a different take. Like Terry Gilliam is just one of the most underrated innovators of our generation or of the 20th and 21st century. Like he's brilliant. I
1: I think it's funny because Like I I do some graphic design stuff like and the main thing that keeps imagination going is pulling from other great artists. Mm -hmm. And so I will I'll pull from other people's ideas and all that stuff. It's you know, it's 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 only to help better yourself. Yeah. And you see all the great, you know, elements in this movie pulled into other like you just listed Absolutely. off different different content and different movies and all that oh, stuff. I
0: mean like I haven't it's on my list to watch but I haven't seen Dark City. I haven't either. Uh, um but Alex Proyas like straight up said he like copy and pasted Brazil and yeah. made it his own. Like and Dark City is like a cult classic. And like I said, there's a bunch of movies on here that I've not seen that or classics that it has reference on here. Yeah. That directly the director say I took this from Brazil and made it my own.
1: That and and you see hearing that stuff only reinforce how I feel about this movie overall. I I know we've we've got some absolute bangers coming up as far as movies, but I I think it's gonna be really hard for me to not see this as a top three movie for me.
0: I, I think it'll be in my top five. Okay. I, uh, Parnassus, I, I understand that's my that's just my film. Yeah. That is like Jonathan. Everything about movies is just a Jonathan made film, right? Okay. Um, I, and I get that's not fair, but I can I can smooth that aside and see <laughs> that. I just, I just want to say it here now. I think my top five, in no particular order, except for Parnassus. Okay. Parnassus, Brazil, The Zero Theorem, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Wow. Those are gonna be my five. Even though Monty Python and the Holy Grail is my all time favorite comedy. Yeah. Just on merit of a film, probably not. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to call it now. It's going to be my top five. Okay. Um, and now, Graham, I'm not seeing The Fisher King. Maybe it'll wow me. I'll have a huge Robin Williams fan. Yeah. So, we'll we'll see. May he rest. So, let's talk about The Zero Theorem. So, let's this is do it. This was the reason we chose to pair these together is because I actually hadn't seen The Zero Theorem, one of the few Terry Gilliam films. I hadn't seen Tideland going into last week, and I hadn't seen The Zero Theorem going into this week. And people say it's one. it's a spiritual successor to Brazil. And part of the unofficial anthology trilogy, yeah. This including 12 these
1: movies are the same, like in the same world. Yes, absolutely. Now, it's
0: not. It's not. It's definitely not a sequel at no. all. But definitely, like you said, it's set in the same world, maybe a different city. It definitely. I get the spiritual successor vibes. Yeah, for sure. It's dripping all over it. Um. So, the Zero Theorem for me, it came out in two thousand and thirteen. Yeah. Um, at the Venice, it came out in twenty fourteen and. He, England I uh, don't think it played over here I think I it, yeah
1: 2012 I think is is like whenever it was made and I don't think it got releases until yeah spaced out
0: so what people call is it's meant to be the third part of what is deemed by a lot of cinematic people as the satirical dystopian trilogy or Orwellian triptych um, Brazil 12 monkeys and the zero theorem yeah um, which 12 monkeys will be probably my outside looking in one but it's been a long time since I've seen it yeah so we'll see Um so the zero theorem you want to read the letterbox plot. Do you have it? Give me just a second. I have the <laughs> I have the uh IMBD one which is long. So I mean I can reckon I read that one but it's real long.
1: Yeah, no so it's got um what letterbox has is a computer hacker's goal to discover the reason for human existence continually finds his work interrupted thanks to the uh thanks to the management. This time they send a teenager and lust less- and lusty love interest. Lusty love interest.
0: Um, First of all, it's got an average rating of 3.0 overall. Yeah. I gave it a four and a half. You gave it a three and a half. Yeah. Three seems low for what the film is. But anyway, so this film is a little more, not a little more, it's a lot more direct than Brazil was. Uh, This is about, once again, a dystopian society that is, you know, You have the have and have nots, but you also have the people who are just kind of what I would call free thinkers, and you know, you know, not a part of the corporate shield world, right? But they're also kind of like not homeless isn't the right word, but you know, they're content with being a a hobo, gypsy, kind of thing like that, right? Yeah. And then you have the basically everybody else who's just middle eight, like middle class. Everybody's middle class class for the most part, even like the
1: punching a time clock. Yeah, punching a time clock.
0: You know, so it's very heavy handed on general thematic.
1: Classism, Classism, all that stuff.
0: Very, you know, on the nose, which you know, not 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 a shock for Gilliam. So you're, you know, the casting. your start. Your, your titular character is Christoph Waltz, which he puts forth a great, a, a,
1: a great showing. People,
0: from- uh, one of the top critics when they watched this said that he should have got nominated for an Oscar this year. Yeah. And it was a light year, but because it didn't play in America, and it didn't get nominated for best foreign film, yeah, it, he it got slept under. But yeah, this is one of my favorite. I hadn't seen it. This is one of my favorite Christoph Waltz performances, probably falling in just behind. Felt something very wet on the blanket. And I thought maybe <laughs> Luna pissed, <laughs> but I don't know what it is, but it's not pissed. Maybe she drooled there. That really p- gave me a pause. That pause was dramatic. But crossed I crossed I was like, bro, what is that? But well, it's ice cold and she just got up here. So it must be like, maybe I spilled Diet Coke or something. Yeah okay let you reset there bro i was wigged me out christoph waltz christoph waltz outside of maybe i loved his performance in Django. yeah i also loved his performance in inglorious bastards so but this goes hand in hand with those two like i love christoph waltz here and it was so different than anything he's done yeah. he's not menacing he's not commanding he's not i don't know not even he's so gentle and subtle in his like mannerisms and like quirky and backwards and weird and like everything he does now is like like going into this new show the consultant or whatever like everything he does now is just ki- kind of typecast in a way for Christoph Waltz if that makes yeah. sense it's hard to typecast someone of his caliber but i feel like he kind of has been and this just broke the mold so i thought Christoph Waltz was fantastic here and then you also have david Th- thules who is um what's his name from harry potter not serious black uh lupin yeah lupin lupin that's the only thing I've ever seen him in besides, uh, oh my gosh, Sandman. He's, he's in Sandman. Uh, in the diner. The most recent? Yeah. Oh, yes. He was, yes. He's the son yes. in the mental institution. Yeah. He was in he's,
1: he's Joby in, in theory, Zero Theory. Yeah,
0: so he's, he's pretty good in role. But really, honestly, this is a two-person, three-person film. Yeah. And he's not one of them. You got Christopher Waltz, and then you have Melanie Theory, who plays yes. Bainsley. Who's great. Who's great. And then you have Lucas Hedges, who plays Bob. Which Ooh.
1: is not perfect casting.
0: Yes. Like, even looks like Matt Damon's son. He really does. And then you have... So you have a who's who of names here. Yeah, You have Matt Damon, who who plays an integral part in the film, but has very limited screen time. Yeah. Ben Winshaw, who plays Doctor <laughs> 3, uh, very small cameo role. You have Tilda Swinton, who is, actually has a decent like, amount of screen she, time. As
1: far as the list of everything, Swinton is like right at number four, I feel like.
0: Uh, no. As far as
1: like character importance. One,
0: two, three, four, five, six. Oh, oh, you're not talking about listing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty far down on the billing, but she was great. I loved her. I didn't even yes. realize that was her the first couple of times. Like, <laughs> who is this? Oh, it's still the swimson. Yeah. I was waiting for her. Uh, Then you have Rupert Friend. I saw his name and I was like, oh, wow. We get him in here. He's he's on a uh, screen outside like when he leaves his house selling something.
1: It's, cr- it's crazy how they draw people in with freaking billing casting bills yeah same whatever. thing
0: with Peter Stormare he's in like every yeah film he's in he plays doctor number two Lily Cole from Managing of Dr. Parnassus yeah she's he's on a, a commercial. billboard a perfume commercial they have Gwendolyn Christie who was also in a Euphoria Finance commercial yeah um, so you have a who's who of names that I didn't know Gwendolyn Christie was a regular collaborator Terry Gilliam until I noticed her in yeah. Parnassus which and she's in the role this.
1: that she's playing in this is pretty on average for like she wasn't doing a bunch of stuff. Like oh, she's
0: at like a 10 second speaking part on a yeah. screen, you know, not nothing important. But your your main ones are, you know, Christopher Waltz, Mel, uh, Melanie Theory and Lucas Hedges. So, Christopher Waltz is um I I kind of like Brazil. I'm not 100% sure what their job is. Um yeah. Um it's like they're crunching data
1: for the sake of energy. Yeah. That I mean, I think that I think but, that's what the point is. They're basically solving these different equations. Um,
0: to he almost it's like Brazil, I don't fully understand, and I'm not sure. And we're, we're fully not meant, meant to. to fully yeah. understand.
1: And if there's someone listening that's like, yeah, it's it's easily this, please message me because yeah. like
0: I, I watched it and they're cycling, they're like cycling on yeah. these bikes, but also playing this like arcade game, yeah. Where they like...
1: Which, though, are, if we're being okay. honest, the idea that, yeah, those, those, because it basically spits out this ooze and this ooze then goes to this machine that powers, I guess, everything. The city, yeah. W- what if the ooze does absolutely nothing Is the people actually peddling this It's the this placebo thing. effect. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's,
0: it, it, it's that the rat in a rat will. I mean... It's just
1: the thing that ties into classic Terry Gilliam, like, yeah. tropes.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it worked. And, yeah. like, I, the intentional vagueness of a lot of his stuff, I, I, I love that about it. But you know Christopher Waltz well, one of the best things that worked about this film was the like the the harshness of when he leaves he lives in this like abandoned dilapidated church and when he leaves it's like and it's like all you know very candlelit natural light in there yeah. and when he leaves he has to go out to this like overly bright overstimulating like basically times square on steroids but everywhere you look like in yeah. a small town big town Super anywhere
1: commercialized yes. like pop up ads
0: yeah. everywhere like basically Ralph breaks the internet live action yeah exactly um so he you know he has to go through that to get to work and he's balding and he said it's because he's dying um so no, he's trying He's to, not
1: balding he is
0: Well, he's he bald. bald yeah he's bald bald <laughs> he's which is weird saying Christopher Waltz bald yeah. um so he he's convinced that he's dying yeah So he tries to get a uh, disability and get to work from home um which the doctors are like yo you're not really sick but management has an assignment for you. He wants you to do it at home.
1: And also, here's a tape. Here's a therapy tape for you to just yeah, do like, in your off
0: time. Yeah, basically, we say, think you're crazy. Yeah. But, you know, we do have a task for you to yeah, do it at home. It's basically have to, a
1: liability on our part. So
0: Yeah, kind of. So Exactly. So, you know, he finally gets his release to work from home. Yeah. And, you know, management, he gets to meet management a couple times, which is Matt Damon. He gives him this task of cracking the zero theorem, which the zero theorem is basically The meaning of life, trying to solve the meaning, trying to solve the equation for what the meaning of life is. So he takes on this task because, you know, what he's been waiting for his whole life because he saw it in a vision, a phone Phone call. call. You know what the phone call is supposed to tell him? The
1: meaning of life. The meaning
0: of life. So he takes on this task eagerly because now he has the equation. He's tasked with finding the equation. So it feels doable to find the meaning of life, which really to me, it's just a middle finger because he knows Matt Damon knows it's not crackable. So he gives him like, oh, we'll let him stay at home. We're going to drive him into madness. Uh, even th- which is funny because they give him the shrink, yeah, as well. Um, so he's at home. He's working from home. He gets people check on him every once in a while. Um, but eventually, uh, it's management who starts sending uh, Blaine Blaine uh, Blainsley over there, right?
1: Yeah. So, but what happens though with the the assignment is that the thing that really drives him crazy is the deadlines for this thing.
0: Yeah. They're unrealistic, unattainable
1: unrealistic. Yeah. I can't, can't do it. And he tries Um, like
0: all he does is try and fail all day, every day, which is, you know, obviously demoralizing. Yeah. And
1: And then you, you end up finding though the Blainsley character. um, This is
0: the, this is the grosses Melanie theories. Yes. Character. And she's a seductress.
1: We're we're introduced to her the same time that, um, that, that, he goes to that party. Yes, he goes to the party. This is where he's introduced to uh, the boss, basically. Matt he's Damon. a recluse.
0: Christopher Waltz is a recluse. Yes. First of all. He doesn't want to go out anywhere, but um, David Twillis, his boss, Job, he's like, hey, if you want to meet management and you really want to stay at home, you got to come to my party. He's yeah. going to be there. And he gets overwhelmed at the party and he meets the girl there and she's kind of like a reprieve for him. Yes. But he goes and finds this place by himself, which is where he meets management, yeah. blended into the chairs.
1: Ends up on the Zero Theorem Project. Yep. Time passes. And then... uh. Blainsley is reintroduced.
0: Yeah, but management sends her, right? To help as a distraction. Joby sends her. Joby, but as a distraction.
1: Yes. I forget that Joby's technically management. The, yeah. The, the,
0: yeah. Yes. Joby sends her as a distraction to him. Yeah. But why? Why? To give him hope. Though it was a good distraction.
1: I think it was, yeah, because I think I, the motivation is to get, get him to solve Zero Theorem.
0: Okay, I thought it was not ever, and this is this is why I love his films because there's just so much fraction among yeah. people in the thing. I thought it was the Matt Damon's management gave it to him to drive him to insanity.
1: No, and I, I, I thought
0: Joby was being sympathetic and realizing that what he was doing, so he was trying to give him a reprieve, and that's also why Matt Damon's management son Lucas or Bob yeah. comes to help him as well and kind of says like, "Hey, this is impossible." No, I I think
1: um, Matt Damon's character management. Yeah, um, the whole point is to have him always work on zero theorem because that's what kind of drives the whole project mm-hmm. forward, right? And so they're like, the the thought and idea is that he he never needs to stop working. So you are right that Joby sending
0: Blansley is a reprieve to get like, him off, stop him from working, to give huh, him to get a get him break, break to help. Yeah, because to because he's infatuated with this girl. She's yes, very pretty. Absolutely. She's younger than him, and she takes she's what you find out. She's like a. Not a prostitute, but uh only fans, only fans yeah, you know and you know, so she's really doing this because she's probably getting paid to do it. I'm you're led to believe and she takes interest in him and he doesn't realize this at first. he thinks that she's just genuinely interested in him yeah um but the the we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. The most interesting character for me that comes because he wants to come there is Lucas. Bob. Matt Damon's son yes uh, wayward son yeah and he's he's kind of like you know my dad sucks his company sucks he's
1: first introduced to us as an intern a summer intern they don't say who he is they don't say who he is he calls people Bob because it's just a waste of mental space remember names yeah and so he just shows up to his house at a low point uh, for because he
0: broke his computer yes out of rage which anybody would so zero three. how do you say his name Cohen Cohen it is Cohen left Yeah. yeah or Leith Cohen Cohen uh, Cohen, Christoph Wall's character, gets super mad, smashes his computer out of insa- a rage of insanity. Yeah, but of course the the therapist lady can still talk to him. Yes. so it's great. Uh, so he comes over there to fix. That's why they originally send him over there is to fix the computer and upgrade it for him. Yeah, and then he ends up helping him try to solve the zero theorem and teaches him kind of how to have fun doing it. Yep. Uh, which is something he needed to do. And that's when Blainsley's coming around too. So now he's working on the zero theorem. He's finding a reprieve in Blainsley. Yeah. Bob is over there helping him learn how to have fun in the meantime, he starts falling in love with Blainsley and she gives him this VR suit Yeah, or, or Bob gives him a VR suit, actually. Um,
1: no, she he, brings it over.
0: But he upgrades it later. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's something. With Bob. So he gets, he joins this VR and it's super, super high tech, like this full body suit where like, basically if you were getting wanked in VR, you're getting wanked in real life too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like one of those high tech ones. So he gets into this world and they're like on this idyllic beach together and, you know, but you can't really leave the beach without imagining a whole nother world yeah and um in, in, on this beach he has hair um you know just kind of living his best fantasy yeah. you know, he gets gets to be with the girl of his dreams and long story short on here you know he realizes they both realize it can't be real even though she says we can stay here as long as you want he realizes they can't and then she's like well what do you want to go do and he like imagines this as terrible black hole vortex in his mind yeah um you Which know.
1: that's just realities yeah
0: yeah yeah so you know it's, re- it's it was really interesting uh and he kind of realizes who she is too, because he tries yep. to log on one time and finds her OnlyFans page and then he gets blocked from the page because she sees he logged on and she's embarrassed and yeah. realized she's been outed. Um see, I feel like talking like this film is just all over the place. Cause it is <laughs> kind of too. Like I was talking about how nice and cohesive it is, but really in the same time, like trying to explain films like this. Yeah. It's like, whoa. It it like what? There's the some hell? rabbit holes in it for sure. It really is. And that's why that's why I love him. He's so like every film is an onion. Like Brazil is like This terry like prototypical onion. Yeah. Started them all. But this film, even talking about it, it's like, wow, this film's very layered. I so you
1: keep saying this. I did not feel this way about this movie. I watched these movies pretty close to one Mm. another, and Zero Theorem felt like a very diluted version of Brazil. Granted, I I do think hearing you talk about it, there are certain things that stick out to me as far as the overall like motivations of characters motivation yeah yeah that and just the impact of the actual theme of the movie yeah um because basically let's let's finish up as far as like telling the overall story of the of the movie because once uh once Lee's kind of been found out it's like she's basically being paid by management she
0: was falling we find out she actually realized she was now, yeah, but, whether what the motivation was behind her falling for him, yeah, it's—I don't think it was an attraction, like physical attraction, yeah. love. I think it was a attachment yeah. kind of love. Yeah, um, they were both broken characters. Well, and because both of what he used. saw in her, yes, yes, and they were—they're bo- both being used by the same people, and yeah. they found that in common. And it's funny as Bob sees that, motivates it, and encourages. Like, it's almost like they're his guardian angels, yeah, helping him avoid what I would consider he was probably headed towards, like a suicidal path
1: which so, at the end you know what did he actually lead, what did it actually lead towards suicide yeah
0: but beautiful suicide he had the sun in his hand my man yeah I mean that's a good way to go and topless on the beach
1: <sighs> so the the one thing that I don't remember though he was naked
0: we got to see Christoph Waltz boot but yeah <laughs> said, boot. it's not as nice as Modoc's though no no give me baby Darren Cross all day
1: <laughs> um the one thing that I don't, I can't recall exactly is the conversation that management has with Cohen uh, after he's been zapped in the VR and he's basically died. The whole point in the Zero Theorem, what was it
0: again? So you're talking about the part where he's dead basically the machine. And he's yeah. unplugging everything and it keeps plugging back in. Yeah. He was basically saying that nothing you do matters. Yeah. Nothing matters. Like, None of this matters. That's that's what he kept saying. Yeah. He realized that and he came to that realization and gave up and accepted his fate. And then that's when he found his.
1: Yeah. Because basically he's going to be replaced. Someone else will take this. Like,
0: He got electrocuted, right? Yeah. Yeah. But kind of knew it was coming.
1: Yeah. But you're kind of led to believe like he's kind of been synced into this universe, mm-hmm. basically. Like he's a part of the Zero it, Theory yeah.
0: now. Well, that, that, that's, once again, the Inception spinning top like a lot of it. Yeah a lot of people do think he is now part of the zero theorem and that's what these people ultimately are. And that's why you see these people in their ads. They aren't real people. They are, they were at one time, real but people. now they're all in the zero theorem. And that is the meaning of life is to move on to the next. And that is in the virtual reality. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. That's why I love it. It's brilliant to me. It works for me. And the acting performances of all three of the leads, Lucas and Melanie and Christoph Waltz were fantastic. Fantastic. And I love their chemistry. All three of them had hella chemistry together. Um, I'll but, do a rewatch of this one. But for me, I, and I haven't mentioned this yet, the cinematography stole the light for me. It
1: was it was good. Gorgeous. Yeah,
0: More so than Brazil, even for me. Uh, now, granted, this is where I go into saying I think Brazil may be There's too little. Like 30 years apart. That's the this. problem for yeah. this. In terms of, I find The Zero Theorem more appealing to me now. Even though I like older films, but like, Zero Theorem is like a me thing like that sure. it, it just hits it it tantalizes my sure. my my LSD need and it gives me those striking visuals that hallucinogenic nature yeah. that Brazil didn't and that worked for me I loved the contrast of the dark and then the color like the whole scene in the park oh my gosh yeah love that um that was he- the most realistic part of it though I know that's what works so well for me it's like it was the most grounded in real reality I I understand but it somehow was the most trippy scene and that's because of the world Gilliam built and like it was a it to me it was punny almost yeah like the most visually striking part of the film to me was the most simple generic part of the film conversation no but in terms of locale like it just that park scene stood out to me more than anything else in the film in terms of locale yeah i
1: i hear what you're saying i what did you say about um (sighs) there's a point there's a point that i wanted to make about the park no about uh brazil no the so so yeah the the it's it's hard to look back on a movie like Brazil and yeah. compare it to Zero Theorem because of the time right it was it, it took place yeah um, or was made. I, I like to look at these movies. And I try I try to I feel like I can to accept what the people are actually able to work with and mm. and maximize what you get out of it. Yeah, um, I think that's what makes movies like when you look back what makes them hold up the most. Yeah, um, and it's hard to watch Brazil and not fully just think he got the most out of what he had. He did
0: and, but I think he did and so in
1: comparing it but in comparing it to Zero Theorem they are the same movie. They're they're yeah, so very which, similar. So in in which one did it the best? And you think Zero Theorem.
0: I think Zero Theorem think and, that's, and to me it's it's a razor thin margin. They're both four and a half for me. Yeah. I just I and I like a weird hard to follow sure. movie but I think Brazil got in its own way or Terry Gilliam but I think Brazil got in its own yeah. way sometimes. And sacrifice story for spectacle. I I didn't ways. I
1: didn't think of it as as story, or or I didn't think of it as sacrifice for spectacle. Call back to what we talked about in last week's pod, as far as quantumium, like yeah, the world building aspect. This week's episode, you had last a much episode. bigger world in yeah. Brazil yeah. than we do in Zero Theorem. Granted, I think in retrospect, it it makes sense because. When you fast forward to a timeline in zero theorem where everything is so me focused, like ads are tailored to- towards you. Mm-hmm. As uh, you walk by them, Yeah. Yeah. And, and your 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 sexual experience is more tailored towards you. Mm. Um
0: it, it, it's it's Am I giving you too much thigh right
1: now? <coughs> it is a
0: lot, but it's no more than usual. Really? Yeah. Fuck like you can't tell I have pants on right now.
1: No, it's just no. It's all good.
0: I'm 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 gonna pull a bag and do full noodles. <laughs> Please don't. I didn't ask for that,
1: but it is like I, there is a difference in Brazil where it is. It, it feels like the the system as a whole, like the the part that we play in it, mm-hmm. um, and how it consumes us, and basically destroys us. Yeah. Whereas zero theorem is like you slowly will yourself away. Right. Uh, which is you know it's sad. I I do think, in retrospect, I probably have ranked this harsher just because
0: three and a half is a good rating i mean i i could see this as a four i really could yeah um so far i don't have any below that threshold i need
1: to do a fresh rewatch of it though i watched this too close with brazil i was i was tainted
0: you see i I did them back day to day and that to me was fine um and like i said the razor hair margin and my 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 issue sure i do i did have a hard time separating like I just not not like in a negative thing as Brazil. Yeah. I just love the visual style of Zero Theorem and yeah. Brazil couldn't have done that then. But I will say this for Zero Theorem, visually, it still looks better. It's ten years old, it still yeah. looks better than some films that come out now. Like Zero Theorem is gorgeous. Yeah, it I, looks real good.
1: Like pra, like in, in a lot of it, there was a ton of practical effects yep. for this.
0: Terry Gilliam never, <laughs> Parnassus. I mean, he leans in more shockingly to that film, yeah, in CGI than anything else bad cgi too that but, was but the prop effects but, are gorgeous i know on there that too.
1: was at a time though where everybody was that yeah it was driving the market yeah and you had to to kind of like be relevant yeah i do like you'd mentioned like terry Gillum is is known for like in a way throwing a middle finger to like what's what is quote-unquote status quo yeah and what you should be doing and it, it does i think i'll look back on all these movies that we watch, look back on Parnassus and be like, okay, yeah, that was super intentional for those graphics to look as bad as they did.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what he said at yeah. one point now, granted, that's, what was his motive behind it? I don't know, but that, yeah. that's what he said. He did it like that on purpose. So <laughs> I don't know, but no zero theorem for me. I, I like it, it has it all for me. It has the visuals. It has the story. It has the performances. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it just, it just hit for me. And it was one of those movies that is shockingly one location filmed. Yep. The, you, you probably spend ninety percent of your film in the his dilapidated church, um, and I, I, I'm a sucker for films like that yeah. because it's really you you're you're forced to you're forced to witness what the director and the pro- actors can do. Yeah, and this film is very one locational, not fully, but mostly, and it, it's just a it's just a full you know tour de force of what of Gilliam's prowess as a director and a writer because he wrote it too. And Christoph Waltz and all of them performing it. Brazil didn't have that because it's not one, it's very all over the place. And, 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 and fine, it's fine. Yeah. But that, that it just gets movies like Zero Theorem get a little extra prop for me. If they're done well. But I think of a movie that I didn't enjoy that was done well is One Night in Miami. Like that movie was boring as sin. <laughs> okay. I mean, good performances, but boring as yeah. sin. You know, so that's one like and they are it's a hotel room the whole time. Yeah you know, like, but nine days on the other end, that's all one location. Brilliant. Mm. So, and this is one of those ones that I would consider brilliant. Mostly one location. Fantastic. Um, yeah, this is one of Terry Gilliam's better outings. Um, I, like I said, I don't see it beating out. We'll see. It's been a long time. I don't see it beating out for your loathing in Las Vegas. Basically what I'm saying is I'm about to have a slew of four and a half, five star films. I can't wait,
1: man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. Like I, after our last two pods ago, um, I was a little hesitant. I was glad to 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 do this deep dive in Terry Gilliam, but I don't well, know. I it was kind of like my down.
0: personal favorite and his most universally like yeah. uh, hated yeah. film. So it wasn't like his best offering. Today we went this one. We did his best offering and his a middle of the road for him, which I definitely don't. Yeah, see. I'm obviously. just
1: I'm here to say I get it and I'm here for it. Let's do let's do it. I'm all in.
0: Yeah. So next week is. What if with Fisher King and Time Bandits? Okay, right?
1: Yeah. I think, double check myself. Fisher King is yeah. Uh, Fisher
0: King and Time Bandits. So Fisher King is Robbie Robbie Robin Williams and Jeff Bridges. Yeah, which, and it's more of I don't know much about it. Yeah, it's a but I think it's more of a drama.
1: It is. It I've heard this is a I don't say tearjerker is the right word like the right way to describe it, but it it's emotionally
0: intense. Fun fact about the Fisher King: I was asking my dad about some of these films, yeah. and he saw Fisher King in theaters.
1: Wow, Lynn at a movie theater. I don't know,
0: and at something does he like the Fisher King at that? I know. So yeah, he liked it. So okay, it's got Lin Lin stamp of that, approval. That
1: means there's going to be some big morality, like like which they themes. all are. Yeah, so oh yeah,
0: but it, like it, even more so. Yeah, and you know Robin Williams, people associating with his like Mrs. Doubtfire and you know oh Dead like Society, Dead Society, Good, Will Hunting? Good Will Hunting, yeah, yeah those. Like where what dreams may come or where dreams may lie. I think it's where dreams. It's either what dreams may come or where dreams may lie. That's one of my favorite Robin Williams films. You ever seen really? it? Really? No, it's so good. Uh And then Hook. <laughs> I, I, I like the weirder movies he does. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see what he does here. And then Time Bandits is an all time cult classic. I watched this one time, and I didn't love it. Mm, but I was I was like it. Well, I I was like in middle school. Yeah. So. <laughs> I need to rewatch it. But I was like, yeah. this sucks. Actually, I think I <laughs> felt strongly about not liking it. Yeah. But I was also not into this kind of stuff. This came out in forever ago. And I was like, this graphics are terrible, you know, but there really were no graphics because it was all practical. Effects. Yeah. So uh, we're doing Fisher King and time bandits next week. Uh, very excited about that. Pretty sure good double feature. Have something heavy, something light. Yeah. It, it'll be a good one. Uh, so that was today for in review. So now it's time for a topic or two. Um, are you a chick flick fan? I am not. But you like chick flicks. No. So should you we, like the Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise? I feel like you should be all over this.
1: Listen, I the only reason I like the Bachelor is because I like to, like I like to judge people. Yeah. Uh, I like to judge people in the worst possible ways. Yeah. And the Bachelor's the best format, uh, or best. Uh,
0: I get that picture from you know. Survivor. Yeah. Oh,
1: definitely. Like I just I I like to watch somebody do something on TV and think I could do that better.
0: And then never go do it. I never do it. That's me with Survivor. Every year I'm going to apply. And yeah. then I'm like, bro, I don't really like, th- I hate coconut. And I don't like rice that much. I feel like I have <laughs> a bad time and I get a real bad headache if I don't eat. Yeah, so I, be screwed. So, you So, know, like, you know, I think I would do good at the manipulation mind games out there and like the yeah, social I mean, game, but not if I have a headache every day. You've worked retail enough. Oh, 10 years of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the game, but that, that's its own form of survival. It is. I just don't think I'd be in a good mood because of the food. Yeah. So that's a, that's a no go. Plus, I got self conscious. You know, like what about my dick all the time? <laughs> like people are cold and then they're tidy whities Like, I mean, I, I, I'm fine sure, with my dick, yeah. but like I feel like it would be shriveled all the time on national TV, and people be like, "Whoa, Johnny's got no dick." Yeah, and they'll be like, then I'm gonna have to get on Twitter when I come back home. Be like Johnny Mangina, and then I'm gonna be like, "Whoa, hey!" Then I'm gonna have to like do an OnlyFans to prove everybody wrong, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh, Johnny, big dick stick," you know? So you know. <laughs> I'm worried now. Uh, we're talking about chick flicks. <laughs> so Not now you know flicks. why I don't want to go on Survivor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> anyway. To answer
1: your question, I could care less about chick flicks. Uh, I mentioned last podcast. I watched uh, um, somebody that I used to know. That's Ass. the closest. That's the closest I'll get to a chick flick.
0: So that's why this week's gonna be fun for me. Okay. okay. It's what chick flicks are actually good from a male perspective and what movies aren't necessarily considered chick flicks that I consider chick, that should be considered chick flicks. Yeah. I'll start. Okay. I'm going to start with the most obvious one. The Notebook. That is a bona fide chick flick, but it is, should be good from a male's perspective. Why? Because it's a damn good movie.
1: I've never seen it. What? Yeah. I've I think I've
0: found this out once before, but I'm always shocked to hear it. Ryan Gosling, one of his best performances. Okay. Rachel McAdams, one of her best performances. Fantastic direction, fantastic cinematography. Beginning to end, it's a tearjerker. It's got a shockingly twisty plot that I didn't once you see it once, it doesn't matter. And apparently I don't read the book, so yeah, I didn't see it coming. I was like, Yeah, we all what? know. Yeah. Alzheimer's like, or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: like... Dementia or something Yeah, weird. and
0: like you're watching them grow up together, fall in love, and at the end, like, it's their story. Yeah. And, you know, he's taking care of her and all this stuff, and they just die together of a broken heart, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. But no, that that's one of those ones that is just a... That is a bona fide chick flick that is good. Like, okay. I recommend The Notebook to everybody. That's like a wow. four... I need to... I haven't watched it since Letterboxd. I think I have it as a four-star. That could be a four and a half, five star film for me. Okay. Notebook is damn good and you need to watch it. Maybe. No, you, that, I, I'm telling you, that's one you have to watch. Okay. That's really good. And I want to give a couple honorable mentions real quick that I'm not going to dive into. Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: That is not considered a chick flick necessarily. That's surprising. Uh, it's just considered a comedy, but I think it's a chick flick. I think it should be considered a chick flick, but it's a good one. I consider that Miss Congeniality. And I also think Legally Blonde, that is a chick flick, but that is a honorable mention for a male, like a dude can get down with Legally Blonde. Okay, So gotcha. those are honorable mentions that I don't want to go into. Uh, so I want to start with one now that is not a chick flick, that is most definitely a chick flick, but not classified as one. Knocked Up. Okay. <laughs> Seth Rogen and Katherine Heigl. Uh, I love Knocked Up. It is funny, but it is a shockingly s- emotional heavy movie. Uh, when's the last time you saw Knocked Up? It's been a long time for me. But um I don't know. You've seen Knocked Up though, right? I can't remember. I don't think I have. What? That's a <laughs> that's a
1: classic. I haven't seen it all the way through though. 2000s I, comedy, like I didn't I didn't really get into a lot of the 2000s comedies. So that's I, like the kinda, peak like,
0: super bad Knocked yeah. Up. Yeah. Uh, I might have been a little too oversaved at the time. Oh yeah, those are like the those are like
1: prom comedy years. I don't. Here's the thing with comedies like that. I don't. Those if I did not see them in the year or two years that they came out, I'm more than likely not going to see them. There's some that say like,
0: the Testify knocked up is one of those. Knocked up is funny, but it's also heavy.
1: There's the the ratio, the risk ratio of like, is this worth my time? Yeah. And if it's been so long since it came out and everything, I'm just probably not going to waste my time with it. You should rewatch Knocked Up. Uh, okay. It's a classic. Okay,
0: but the reason the reason it's actually a chick flick it's not just people get thinking knocked up when it came out because the trailers were all like raunchy. Seth Rogen, prime Seth Rogen, yeah. Jonah Hill, and all the Miranda. You know, um, it's like coming off the hills a super bad forty year old version that cast of people. Paul Rudd, wow, well, she jerked back at you hard. Yeah, she did. Her nipples freak me out sometimes.
1: They're just a little black. <laughs> we talking spots. about a dog. We <laughs> were talking about Luna, Jonathan's
0: <laughs> yeah. dog. Yeah, she's up here like that is and just belly JP, up man.
1: in front of me. Yeah. Yep, trying to eat your good. hands
0: uh. but no Knocked Up I will not spend much of time on it but Katherine Heigl I don't know why people hate her so much but people really don't like her
1: uh, apparently people think she uh, can't
0: act that's that's the biggest thing I've seen about was her was that it that's what, what i was. seen
1: or was it the Grey's Anatomy stuff
0: I don't know anything about Grey's Anatomy so maybe it is I just thought that people said she couldn't act yeah but I like Knocked Up it is also super heavy and a tearjerker shockingly so I think it should be classified as a chick flick okay uh, I want to do one more before we go to yours okay Actually, hey, it's a double. I'm going to do a two for one here. right. They're both on here. Hot Chick with Rob Schneider and Anna Faris. Oh, dang it. Is okay. That, was that yeah, one of that yours? Was,
1: that was one of them, but well, it's all good.
0: Okay. Well, t- talk about it.
1: No, I I mean, it's been a while since I've watched it, but- That it, movie
0: is funny as hell. It is
1: hilarious.
0: But not like in a, like from a, but it's also, I think women would find it really funny it, too. Exactly. It is a, it's not like a bro comedy.
1: No, I, that's the thing is, I know, I know that women will find that, like women would call back to that as a funny movie much quicker than a guy would
0: right i mean it's 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 it is a chick flick to me but it's not classified as one so i think hot chick is one of those i think we
1: need to i i I think i'm getting confused what define a chick flick to me
0: to me when i think of a chick flick I this is gonna
1: probably be super sexist i'm ready
0: no like so there's two (laughs) classifications for this topic too (laughs) movies that are bonafide chick flicks but from a male perspective are a good sit through like I can sit through and watch like I think of ones that are not that example that are just bonafide chick flicks like Sweet Home Alabama oh
1: my god
0: yeah like that or or, uh what's that 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 one with Mark Ruffalo was that it or Just Like Heaven yes ass like those are like prototypical chick flicks that are booty Uh, like just (laughs) dudes don't like those they're not good but like The Notebook is a good solid film. Dear John, that's another one. Not good. Chain Tatum. Terrible film. But those are just chick 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 flicks. Sure. Uh, not good. Uh, Twilight, I'd actually even consider just a bona fide chick flick, the first one. <laughs> okay. You know, um. Yeah. And then you got other ones that movies that are not necessarily associated with chick flicks, but I think lean more into the chick flick territory that maybe women haven't seen. Yeah. Like hot chick would be one for me, like, and knocked up. Like those get just comedy ban on there. And they aren't chick flick, but I think those are definitely more chick flick categories than they are like bro comedies. Gotcha. That's kind of where my head is for these different ones. And I'll clar- clarify which one beforehand. But Hot Chick, I think, is definitely one that's gotten like a rap for being like a frat comedy, bro comedy, Rob Schneider, peak, Animal, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. News Bigelow, European Gigolo, like that time. But movie's funny as hell. The uh, toquito, the Tokido the c- taquito scene with the dad. Oh, she about lost her footing. She did. Geriatric... Yorkie over here <laughs> uh she is eight that's well, that's old it that is old she found her spot <laughs> anyway uh so hot chick and then i want to tag on with the modern adaption of Fr- hot chick called freaky uh it's like a mixture of freaky friday and hot chick mixed into one and, yeah. but it's a horror thriller and it's got yeah, vince vaughn and uh cassie lang uh I don't know her name, Catherine or Cat. Whatever her name was, I don't remember. Yeah,
1: her. the the girl that plays the Cassie girl plays Cassie
0: Lang, and also in Supernatural, she's in Supernatural too. Um, that is a body swap movie where uh the girl <sighs> Catherine Newton, yes, that's it. Yes, Catherine. Newton. I was going to say Caitlin, but it is Catherine Newton. Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn switch bodies. Um, and Vince Vaughn is a serial killer, and Catherine uh Newton is like a very popular high school girl. And they switch roles Uh, (laughs) and it's, it's funny, but it's also a horror, like bloody, like a slasher film, basically scream meets freaky Friday. Not, you know, not like a scary horror movie. It's a slasher. Yes. It's a slasher, but it's actually shockingly endearing and uh, funny, scary, endearing. So I think it's an off brand chick flick, but it could be like a, like, Hey, maybe you're going to get mad at me if we watch this, but throw your man a bone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Kind of that, that kind of, or if you're one of the dudes and you like chick flicks and your wife doesn't, yeah, throw your wife a bone and then give her the bone. Gotcha, bury it deep inside. All right, awesome. So, so I got a bunch more, but I'll stop for a minute. I'm not gonna
1: have as many That's as why, you, yeah, because again, this is not really.
0: I think every time we talk about I just think you're a chick flick, guys. Why I chose this, <sighs> no, I think it's just because I know you love these weird, soapy. This reality, this reality. Do you watch, to Are you me. the one? No, do you watch? Anything else? That's Bachelor Survivor.
1: No, it's just been Bachelor and Survivor recently, at least. Okay. Um, I've wanted to do like a Love Island. No. Oh, that that's that, that's like peak. Like,
0: do you watch Big Brother? No, I can't do Big Brother. Yeah, sucks. I like um,
1: so yeah. I, uh. So a chick flick that I can power through. Let's see. Well, obvious, she's the man
0: have that on mine. Amanda yeah. Bynes? Yeah. Yeah, great. So I don't have to talk about that one. Yeah. I, it, I'll, we'll I'll talk about it with you. That's one... Um, now, do you have nostalgia for it? Because I actually grew up watching that. Yes. I, I loved it. Like, I thought it was funny and I still think parts of it are funny today. Yeah. Like, the tampon and the nose. Pretty sure classic. they started that. That's classic. Um, Early Channing Tatum, too. Launched Channing Tatum's career. Yes. Uh, so, next one, actually, is Step Up. I, I hate that movie. See, that is, to me, chick flick. Just chick flick. That is a... It's good chick-filet. dance, man. Like, I that's the dancers. same time
1: that, uh, step, um, what was the other dance movie? Honey? Get, no, um,
0: Stomp the Yard? No. Drumline? Uh,
1: maybe I'm just thinking of Step Up, but
0: yeah, I mean, just. Well, Stomp the Yard choreo- came out like the same year and they were like very. Yeah, Stomp the Yard. I mean, it's the same vein. Stomp it's the yard just better a more cultural,
1: step Up. more cultural. Yes, I agree with you.
0: No, I hate Step Up. Okay. That. This is all part of the conversation. That is a chick flick chick flick. Yeah. I don't think a lot of dudes are going to enjoy Step Up. I don't know,
1: man. I can get into some chorea- choreographed dance,
0: man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, give me The Greatest Showman. Stuff. I want to see that. Give me The Greatest Showman or give <laughs> okay. me a freaking spirited.
1: Good afternoon. It's on the bottom of the list. Okay, good. When I'm glancing through a list of chick flick movies
0: like... But while you're talking about... Let's just just, just strike, step up from the record. Okay. I'm just joking. I'm just. Joking. No, I'm fine. While, while we're talking about She's the Man, I feel yeah. like in the same vein, I need to mention Mean Girls oh yeah Mean That's, girls is like the prototypical chick flick film and i was a hater on it for years but now that i'm older and i oh, watched yeah, it you can't hate it's on it. it's funny it's great had, you i had, went and saw it made Alley with was having loved it every second of it like i gave it three i mean it's a three and a half star i mean so yeah just, i mean it's not a great film by merit but it's a enjoyable watch it's re- shockingly I mean, tina fey wrote it so i mean it's shockingly funny yeah but it shouldn't be shockingly because tina fey's great um no, Mean Girls just holds up too. Like it, it, it's a if you're a dude and you've been holding out on Mean Girls because it's just a chick flick, I say you watch it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah.
1: Uh, so a movie that uh, this will probably be the only one that I can think of right now, and if I think of one, I'll chime in. But chick flick that is not considered one, but I mean, very easily could be Roadhouse.
0: Patrick Swayze. Yes. Yeah. It's uh yeah. It's probably that not is, considered a that chick is flick. Not but only, it
1: is that is that is made for women. You just watch a movie with Patrick Swayze in it, man.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like ghost for dudes.
1: Exactly. That uh, is a perfect example.
0: So, <laughs> so I guess uh, it's like a homoerotic chick flick. Yes. So,
1: I mean, there's a lot of kicking. A lot of kicking. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of high kicks. A
0: lot of Patrick Swayze, Whew, man. He has his shirt off. Patrick Swayze is amazing. Was. Uh, He's dead now. I mean, just live in the moment, man. You know who shockingly looks like Kevin Bacon and Patrick Swayze? They favor each other. Especially in their prime. In their
1: prime? No, not really.
0: Yeah. No. I'm telling you, they do. Kevin Bacon's better.
1: Um, You want me to hit another one? Sure. Uh, I only got a few left, so. Yeah, so a chick flick movie. I don't know if this w- is a classified as a chick flick movie, so this could teeter. If you don't think this is rough, then we'll just move into that category. Okay. Lady Bird.
0: I, I think that could be could be considered. It's not considered a chick flick. Yeah. But for our conversation, I think it's... Could I think and it, should. I'm not sure if it should I think be, it should be. But a I chick can flick. see the argument. that the, the It's a female coming of age story. Yes. And it's told very endearing and delicately. So I, I, I can see that. Yes. It, and, and if, you want, if we want to go that far, I didn't put it on here, but Booksmart oh, could be that, there that too. That was definitely on my list. That is a, well, it's all about Lady Bird, but it, it's in the same reason. Yeah,
1: Lady Bird, I think, because uh, who's the the actress in it? Um, uh, she's,
0: Susan Cerise Ronan. Yes. I mean. That's a Greta Gerwig film. so. You know. I mean, it was Greta Gerwig's first, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, not her first,
0: like big, big feature. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I I love Lady Bird. I've been trying to get. I feel like some of the um themes in that movie kind of resonate with my wife, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Did you watch
0: Birdman? No. I saw those same day in theaters. That was a great <laughs> double feature.
1: It would that would be? Yeah. Uh, but I've been trying to get her to watch that forever because I I, I just think it would. Resonate really well with her, mm. um and she just won't. It's frustrating. Does she like chick flicks? No, not really. We well, don't. This she, we want she, she doesn't really reach them. out to him. Yeah, she she'd much rather watch like an action movie or, oh. you know, comedy or Disney movie.
0: Does she like it's, weird movies? No. It's about a bird who turns no. into a lady, ladybird. No. So she wants she to get that. She don't go. do that. It's like catching. But Ooh. um, but yeah, Booksmart. Booksmart. Though, I did I don't have it on my list. But you talk about Ladybird, made me think about Booksmart's funny. Yeah. Not when I watched Booksmart, everybody said it's like the funniest films in Super Bad. I thought it was pretty great. It's pretty great, but it's very inconsistent. Like the Ooh. moments that are funny to me are funny, funny. No, I, but I have to wait too long between laughs and that. No, thing, I, which is why I'll classify it as a chick flick. It's not because it's boring. It's just because I don't, it's not uh, like Super Bad is nonstop funny. Yeah. Book which is why I think it could be considered a chick flick, well, has a very good emotionally. Charge story
1: and more sophisticated yes because so, it is tailored to women i mean women right. are more sophisticated than men right super bad is what it is because it's, it's tailored jokes, to, baby yeah and the so demons and so the things that like as far as consistency that you said for for book smart i think is because it's trying not to be like super bad in a lot of ways yeah. because they have like the the lsd trip or whatever trip mm. that they have yeah um like you don't get that in super bad there's Me, something dude. like that
0: Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh 21 Jump Street. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh you don't get something like that. And uh, speaking of which, those are both underrated comedies. <laughs> They're both great. I can, I'm I'm coming to the terms
1: that I just don't do comedies. I like I don't know, man. I like Anchorman. I like Anchorman, but it's like I'm not going to rewatch Anchorman.
0: I can quote the whole thing.
1: I I I salute you, brother. Step
0: brothers. <laughs>
1: no. You I don't, love Stepbrothers. Oh. Stepbrothers. So for the longest time, and that's and that's probably it, is because I remember a point in my life where the only movies I would even consider watching were Anchorman, Pineapple Express, and uh, That one
0: doesn't hold up as well as I wish it did. No,
1: it doesn't. Like I <laughs> remember rough. I thought it was
0: the funny for the stoner. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> yeah, yeah. freaking movie ever. And exactly. I watch it today. I get a few laughs out of it but no. now granted i guess this is a little we're chasing a rabbit here but, yes we are well my, my my thing with comedies though i realize i don't laugh as much now as i used to in a comedy so when a movie can make me laugh laugh yeah. like i laugh harder in banshees of inner than i have in a lot of films i so i think that has to do with adulthood i guess in a lot of ways Some because, my dad never understood well, but you know what stands out though one yeah. of the best comedies from that era borat the original <laughs> borat still gets me in stitches i get you but it's hard, yeah. Anyway.
1: No, no. The, but those those three of like Anchorman, Pineapple Express, and like Step Brothers mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but I Marshall? think as adults, oh yeah. But not you, not near as much. Like that was my first like Jason Segel like yeah interaction.
0: I love you, man. This is funny. Oh, I love you, man. It's one of the best comedies.
1: See, now we're talking about comedy. I love comedies. It's, yeah, you're it's like, just you're like, you know what I don't think <laughs> I like
0: comedies. You know what I love comedy. I don't I don't go you like out a very of, specific brand of comedy. Yeah,
1: I don't go out of my way. For a lot of comedies, I don't
0: anymore because there aren't a lot of good comedies anymore. Exactly,
1: there's and too like much said, risk.
0: Maybe, maybe that's because we have gotten older. But those old comedies, yeah, I, I feel like we sound well, like our dads. And now. I
1: think, I think a lot of like uh, a lot of uh, content, like um, Succession, and like the menu. The menu's is a comedy, yeah, but it's not laugh like it's not funny. Funny, yeah, uh, it's just the I think a lot of ways. The genre's changed, um, mm-hmm. but back to our chick Back stuff. to reality.
0: Oh, here's Sam Lowry.
1: I gave you some of mine. What are some of yours? Uh,
0: Disney classic. What? The Princess Diaries. I love the <laughs> Princess Diaries. Okay? It's definitely chick flick. Shout out to my wife, Abby, because she's a Princess Diaries fanatic, and a Mean Girls fanatic for that fan, and she's she'll be glad we mentioned she's the man. Uh, the-
1: yeah, I'm really looking forward to Abby's uh, takes on all this She's. I feel like there's going to be some harsh criticism she doesn't
0: like Hot Chick I'll yeah but I, I feel like we're going to
1: mention something and she was like that's not a chick flick she
0: did say she thought she might get mad listening to yeah. this segment I, Abby, uh, but I actually don't think she's going Abby. to I don't think she's going to I think she because she likes The Notebook she likes she's the man she likes Mean Girls she loves Princess Diaries you know but Princess Diaries Anne Hathaway's early role this film for being a Disney movie and granted it was a feature release but if it came out today it'd be you know Disney Plus release it's fantastic. I love the Princess Diaries. Okay, in the in the story there, there's not not much to say about it. But as a dude, if you didn't, if you could watch the Princess. Diaries, have you ever seen it? Yeah, yes. Okay, so sure. Absolutely. You could watch it now with fresh eyes, and it's still good. Yeah. All right, Eric Von Detten. I mean, yeah. What happened? He's bald now. You know that? No. Yeah, he's like balding real bad. Then. So that's sad. It is sad because he had such luscious locks. So uh, anyway. I won't spend a lot of time on this because movies, but this movie's painfully funny. Uh Along Came Polly. Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. Ben Stiller, and uh Jennifer Aniston. Yep. Fantastic film, kind of in the same vein as 50 First Dates. Oh, uh, 50 First
1: Dates was going to be next on my list. I have it
0: right underneath this yep. one. Uh, so we'll talk about that next. But Along Came Polly is hilarious, but it's also very for Ben Stiller was doing mainly very. Ben Stiller is actually a very layered comedian in a lot of his films. <laughs> he is like he he gets Zoolander aside, a lot of his films are actually pretty. Um, I, I I'm trying to say impactful. Like they're not just funny or cliched to be funny or cliche. Like a lot of Ben Stiller stuff is smart comedy. I yeah consider. the
1: the the comedy is dressing to the emotional impact that. Yes. the character that he plays. Like, I didn't used
0: to like Ben Stiller very much, but yeah. as I've gotten older, I appreciate his brand of comedy yeah. a lot more than I used to. And Along Came Pauly is prime for that. Um, gotcha. Plus, we get the whole basketball scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman. But no, this is not a, considered a chick flick. It's just considered a like. Uh, it's just a comedy, but I think this is definitely more chick flick comedy than bro comedy. So. Yeah. But 50 First Dates. Use on yours. So I to let you leave. Oh, it. no. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was... uh. That's That's been one that I've watched for uh watched over a lot um it's one of the few reese witherspoon like movies i can actually tolerate i feel like no it's not no, reese no. witherspoon anna Ferris. and if no it's not it's uh um oh god it's not why did i say reese witherspoon it's uh
0: yeah now i'm thinking anna Ferris. it's
1: not anna faris either holy crap we're not looking up anything right now no, so no i know no, i don't want to i don't want to look it up either through
0: this all I can see she's blonde.
1: Yes. She has oh that, my that video of her now where she's walking out in the rain and she's like going. Is it her? not Anna Ferris? It's not Anna Ferris. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. There it is. Oh, man. Oh, got you. Drew Barrymore. You it's know how I got there?
0: How? I was thinking Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston. Who does he collaborate All with? The blended. Blended. Who's in Blended? Drew Barrymore. Oh, it's Drew Barrymore. Which yeah. Blended is pretty good. I, I haven't seen it. Uh,
1: but Drew, that's one of the few Drew Barrymore movies that I can tolerate, I guess. Uh, but the concept's like, I like the, the concept of the movie. Um Adam Sandler
0: is very low mm-hmm. key, like no who's not? Sean Austin. No. It's <laughs> fish at the same time as Lord of the Rings is in his height. <laughs> he's in a fishnet. It was it was pretty great. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, no fifty first dates is is not typical. This is like Adam Sandler kind of redefining his career a little bit and kind of moving out of the Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore yeah. water boy stage. Um and kind of doing his Mr. Deeds like Comedies that are still funny, but kinda with like a message, those,
1: like kind of like in those roles that we just talked about for Ben Stiller. Yes,
0: he he he's kind of re- growing up a little bit, kind of yeah. getting out of his SNL days. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the big highlights for him. It was kind of panned a little bit, but I think Fifty First Dates is honestly a tearjerker in some ways. Every time I watch it, I'm always like shocked, like, oh wow, yeah, that almost got me. But yeah, that that's definitely. A, uh, I don't know. Do you think it's Fifty First Dates is a chick flick?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, you do think it is. Yeah. So
0: okay. So this is one of those ones that falls under bros. If you haven't seen it, it's a good watch. Yeah, definitely. All caps. I have for this one. A star is effing born. I haven't seen it. One of the greatest films. It's five stars for me. Really? Freaking love that film. <laughs> um, Bre- if it's got some good singing numbers, I'm in. You know it does. Yeah. It's got shallow. Uh, always remember, remember us this way. Uh, black eyes, black eyes, give me time. And I don't remember the words anymore, but it's great. Uh, out of time I mean the whole we have it on vinyl I think downstairs like movies that soundtrack's yeah. a bangle bangle. Yeah. That bangle that's like a bangle it's a tiger I love it <laughs> I love it uh, no it's a banger uh, and it's it cr- it's crushing dude it's soul crushing yeah. the performances are fantastic like you can't convince me that Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper didn't just nail each other on, off screen all the time because of the <laughs> they're good getting they're, that chemistry on screen no, chemistry I'm you, their chemistry's too good next it's, it's impossible not to um, the way they look at each other is just.
1: Uh, did you speaking of speaking of Gaga Have you seen the clip of her, him, and,
0: her, not the and clip, I've seen the Still, yeah, the still. Sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it looks great and yeah. looks intense. That's intense too. Yeah, there's a boner somewhere <laughs> down there. NC Seventeen, baby.
1: I don't know something about Joaquin Phoenix. It, it just seems very asexual about me. It might be because of her, but
0: like it just he's not attractive.
1: No, no, her isn't like the movie. Like his just ability to. Never mind. What I don't I don't know
0: I'm so confused I don't know We're
1: hitting that time
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Stars tired. Born you that is a must watch for you JP Yeah I will like like no 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 like
1: next week I'm not gonna watch it by next week Why I'm just I got two other movies we gotta watch and there's other stuff I gotta try to fit in and that's probably gonna be too heavy So maybe
0: it is very heavy Yeah Yeah soon make that a soon Okay one. Elevate I elevate that to the top of your list Okay because that is a fantastic film I know you hadn't seen that Yeah All right so I have two left. Do you have any? No, nothing. Robin Williams, John Krasinski, Mandy Moore.
1: Let me guess the movie.
0: I think it's Mandy Moore. Um, wait, who? Robin Williams? Robin Williams, John Krasinski. I'm going to find out, but I think it's Mandy Moore. I don't think I know. What is it? It's a comedy. I don't know. I just got to find out. That's it. Yeah, it is Mandy Moore. Came out in 2007. What is it? Licensed to Wed. It's got a whopping two point two Letterbox Rating. Funny <sighs> as hell, and this should be a chick flick. Consider it a chick flick, or it is a chick I'm flick. Not, I'm guys- not sure where it launches, <laughs> but to me, I think it. I think it is a very funny chick flick that okay. you should watch. Robin Williams plays <laughs> a priest who's marrying John Krasinski and Mandy Moore, and. John Krasinski, he's very unorthodox in his premarital training. Yeah. And he thinks, John Krasinski starts to think that maybe Mandy Moore and Robin Williams are together. Okay. And John Krasinski, or Robin Williams just keeps like trolling John Krasinski, but he really ends up being like the best Marie premarital counselor ever, but yeah. he puts him through some real trials. Huh. It's really funny. Uh, last one, The Proposal. Ryan Reynolds, Sandra Bullock. This one is considered a chick flick, but it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, very good. And one honorable mention also is The Big Wedding. Robert De Niro, um, really good film. Okay, uh, that's how Abby, actually, me and Abby uh, did our wedding colors from. The khaki and lavender was based off. Okay, the big wedding we saw it like, wow, that's our colors. Love that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, which yeah, you you got to sport. I did. Yeah, you had spiky hair in that that day. Oh wow, you had to rain rain in Keaton that day because he was making eyes at people across the auditorium. Remember that? I have video of you like pulling him, clo- pulling him closer to you, telling him to stop
1: was that the little kid
0: yeah yes he, I kept, he kept like winking at people and stuff <laughs> like that remember. and like trying to get doing people finger guns and you're like pulling it stopped <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no the moral of the story is a lot of chick flicks suck yeah that's true we've given you some good ones so guys out there and i'm just speaking to the guys you know i'm being very Cause there's so many women that listen to this podcast, yeah. Well, I don't know, I don't get a, I mean, I do get a male female breakdown. I think it's like 60 30, yeah. Um, which isn't bad, but good. you know, ultimately, dudes, and I'm being very just you know, standard trope here. Our cl- what do you call it? Not sexist, maybe it is sexist, but not like purposely sexist. Like, just assuming the dudes don't want to watch it and chicks do want to watch chick flicks, yeah. I don't know what that's called, but if that's the case for most, like it would be here, these are some f- options, boys you could float like hey you know let's watch a chick flick just and to just listen to the ones we named uh, I think you would enjoy them to appease a need yes don't recommend don't don't recommend Sweet Home Alabama no don't recommend Just Like Heaven Me. that was the that was Mark Ruffalo John Hader and Reese Witherspoon that's what that one was Devil
1: Wears Prada
0: oh terrible I hated that film I
1: had to watch that movie at least three times I think times. Abby likes
0: Devil Wears Prada
1: no listen at least three times I had to watch this because I had a Spanish teacher that was so freaking lazy that to go over Spanish. You she would just, just put play it on the in, Spanish. Movie in Spanish. Yeah. But
0: <laughs> what was the reason, Oh, problem. Yeah. Up.
1: And the reason I had to watch it three times is because one of those years I failed and I had to retake Spanish.
0: I had an English teacher or a Spanish teacher who played Spanglish Ugh. all year long with Adam Sandler. Ugh. Terrible film. Is that appropriate? I don't know. It's Marshall County. <laughs> then all things are perfect. I don't know. Uh, I did just think of one, though, that's very underrated that would be considered a chick flick, I think. It's called Colossal. Um, I don't know that one. Jason Sudeikis and Anne Hathaway. Uh, huh. really good mental health movie, but a very good love story. Oh, huh. interesting. You should watch Colossal. It's kind of like a mental flick too. Okay. But kind of a chick flick. Now I'm thinking about hindsight and the ultimate back Mountain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was looking up some stuff like this, you know, Night's Tale is actually like the number one most underrated chick I, flick. I would
1: totally I sign that. I never thought about
0: considering that a chick flick absolutely I would I mean it's a love story I know thinking about it now I yeah. can't I've never until this moment today thought about it being a chick flick I
1: think it's a it's a chick flick the same way that Princess Diaries is it's about The Last Duel I haven't seen The Last Duel it's not chick flick it's at not, all it's not
0: yeah but it's it's fighting over a girl Kinda you need dumb. to watch The Last Duel <laughs> I will <laughs> it's about a rape of a girl oh you get the movie takes place it's a brilliant film it's For based on some true story then. it's her so, like, perspective you get you get and Adam Driver's perspective, you get Matt Damon's perspective, and then you get Jodie Comer's perspective. Jodie Comer's freaking so it's killer. three basically each perspective is an hour long. Nice. Um and then Ben Affleck looks ridiculous in this film but it's great. So
1: dude, the the likelihood of Ben Affleck being good in a movie is solely based on how ridiculous
0: he looks. Yeah. I'm high. I'm hopeful for Aaron. Yeah, cuz he looks <laughs> crazy. I just I just aspire to have a lifelong I guess at this point, Tanner would be the closest one lifelong. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. To since, the end. To the end, man. Now, granted, they're not my favorite duo of all time I in mean, terms of on-screen duo, but consistently, consistency is key. Like DJ Khaled says. And they, they got it. So outside
1: of outside of Goodwill Hunting, what's some other stuff that they've been in together?
0: The Last Duel. Yeah. Now Air. Um, bro, no. I can't no. think of anything. Bro, no, 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 no. You gotta look it up real quick.
1: i'm glad to see that you've picked up on my my uh my hack my hack of yeah just throwing the mic under my chin while i use both hands to type something on my phone i mean i can't think of hardly anything
0: all right um air goodwill hunting the last duel gone baby gone city on a hill dogma school ties field of dreams chasing amy Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, Jersey Girl, Feast, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back.
1: That Ben Affleck and
0: Pat They're Damon? both in. These are just films, yeah. Oh. Here's the IMBD official list. Yeah. Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I've never seen any of the Jay School and Silent Ties. Bob. School Ties. That's Brendan Fraser's in that one, too. Uh, Chasing Amy. Dogma. Dogma. Dogma's good. I've heard, yeah. Field of Dreams, The Last Duel, Goodwill Hunting. Those are the and gone and uh, Gone Baby Gone. So interesting. Got a, a few. And air. That air wasn't on that list. Air.
1: Well, that was a nice little detour to close out this pod. Yeah. From and our chick some Matt Damon. I mean, that's its own kind of chick flick yeah. romance.
0: Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are back together. They've been together. I know. They had a little. I also love that Matt Damon did the or uh, been after the Duncan thing after his Duncan meme a few years ago. It's just brilliant. Peak advertising. Yep. Yeah. So, in closing, uh, next week we will do The Fisher King and Time Bandits for a Terry Gilliam interview. Uh, I'm not sure what else, what other movies I'll be watching, but I'm probably going to, it'll be a little less over the coming weeks because I will be deep into Hogwarts Legacy continually. So uh, will I. Uh, so, I, I, you know. I maybe have we'll have three or four editions from here on out, not nine <laughs> or ten. But that week, actually, I don't know, man. I'm off. Maybe not this next week, because but I'm off for nine or ten days. We'll have
1: Creed three in a couple weeks too. Well, maybe I think it's like the
0: second week. Of I'm March. off all of next week, so maybe next week's episodes I won't have Whoa, a ton with the week after that. I'm not how. space know. it out. I try, I try. <laughs> okay, and we'll catch up on the last Last of Us next week too. I just you know perfect the ball on that. Anyway, this has been our Thursday. Mostly film. And thank you for joining us. And I will see you later. I am Jonathan. And I'm JP. And this is Blues. And Blues.